0: Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. How is everybody doing today all around the globe Folks, okay, so when this airs, I'll actually be currently in Italy. So I'm across the globe. Hello, all my Italians who listen to the show. I'm an Italy, man. Oh my God, that was the world. That was like a mix between a Jamaican Rasta man and an Italian. Sorry about that. Long story short, I am in Italy right now, which I am so excited. I'm actually going to be here for two weeks. I'm vacationing with my wife, going through a bunch of history. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, there's so much European history. What about zoo history? What about zoo history in the United States? And that's why I thought, you know what, this podcast guest today would be perfect. Her name is Carrie, and she is the writer of the Zoo Walks Through History blog. You can find it at zoohistories.com and she has done hours of relentless research putting together really fascinating articles on US zoo history, in particular the National Zoo. Now, I don't know how many of you are huge fans of history. I'm just a huge fan of history and I feel like as I age, I feel like I'm even more interested and I've always been, you know, big into zoos. And so I wanted to know like what were early zoos like? You know, some of the species that were kept? What are some fascinating stories in It turns out that I'm not the only history zoo nerd out there carries with me. And I'm sure there's a few of you out there. I know a lot of you who do listen to the show are zookeepers or who are interested in the zoo field. And I think, you know, you might be interested to hear some of these stories. I'm um, just kind of giving an example of some of the things we talk about and you know, what she, what Carrie talks about in her blog. We talked about, you know, pandas, the first panda that came in here in the 1930s. We talk about how the national zoo got started, which actually has a story to do with a bison who literally lived on the national mall. That's a serious story. We talk about a gibbon named bimbo, That's right. It's an awesome story. I love the name, by the way. Jack Hanna, Twin Gorillas, Smokey the Bear. We talk about the amazing work that zoos are doing right now, saving wild species and, you know, zoos in the future. It's a fantastic interview. I'm sure you guys are going to love it. Before I let you go and we listen to the interview, please make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to the channel on iTunes, leave a rating, let us know uh, if you like the show or not. If you don't like the show, don't say anything at all. If you do though, tell your friends and family. Uh, also make sure to follow us on our social channels, uh, Instagram at Corbin Maxey, C-O-R-B-I-N-M-A-X-E-Y. You can, uh, follow, like I said, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or if you have any guest suggestions, head on over to CorbinMaxey.com. With that said, I hope you enjoy our history lesson today, class. Okay, now don't fall asleep, especially if you're at the will. I promise this is a fun episode. please, Help me and welcome to the show, Carrie, from the Zoo Walks Through History blog. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate
1: it. No problem. Well, thank you for having me on. You've had some amazing guests, so I, I feel really honored to be on your show. So thank you.
0: Yeah, well, you really sparked my interest because you and I kind of met via Instagram, right? Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> Absolutely. It, and it was because I did, did a post about Jack Hanna because we had Jack Hanna on the show and your knowledge just shocked me about zoos. <laughs> <laughs> in history and I'm like wait a second I mean you're so passionate about this and I I just was really curious I'm a very oh, curious yeah I'm just a curious person so I just want to know like take me through like the start what got your interest in Absolutely. zoos and, and their history
1: well I'm very curious too so that's what got me interested um, yeah I have a master's degree in history and um, I've just kind of wanted to uh, combine that passion for history with my passion for zoos um so a little bit about my blog. So I write um a blog called Zoo Walks Through History and um I've written six, 16 stories now. I just started it last year. So this is a new project um and so I when I moved to the DC area, which is where I'm located now, um <laughs> it's kind of funny there was a one-year-old panda here. So that was kind of like the most exciting thing about moving here was Ooh, you know, I get to see her all the time. And and so I just started going to the zoo a lot. And then through the zoo, I met like a lot of people and really great friends and got to know all the other animals. And, you know, spending time there, I'm like, I have to, I have to read about this place. Like, I know there's a rich history there, but I don't know it. Uh And so I wanted to find out more. And so I, I started looking for literature and I'm like, there's not a whole lot out here. This, Um, but then I was looking and looking, and I found, um, and I have to hold this book up. I know no one can see it, but it's called "Raising America's Zoo: um, How Two Wild Gorillas Helped Transform the National Zoo," and it's actually written by a friend of mine, Kara Arundel. She wrote it a couple of years ago, and it's just a fascinating book. Um, She used the story of these two wild gorillas that. Actually, her um, father-in-law uh, went to the, um, Africa and brought back for the zoo back in
0: 1955.
1: Wow. Yeah. So can you imagine this guy, like, boarding a plane in 1955 with two gorillas? Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> It's <I can't>, crazy.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. And it blows my mind because if you think about it, Carrie, that wasn't that long ago. You know yeah. what? I, like, yeah. 1955.
1: <laughs> yeah. Kidding. Yeah, and, and think of, like, all the protections that have been put in place since then. So, I mean, of course, you can't just go to Africa and, you know, grab gorillas and put them on a plane. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, yeah. Yeah. So this... And and she uses the story of the gorillas to weave a, a, a much larger um, history of the zoo. And there's just some fascinating characters, fascinating animals. And I just... I, I needed to learn more. And so that's really Kara. Uh, and I tell her this a lot that she's the one that got me started in this because it just, it, it fed my hunger for learning more about the, not just the DC zoo, but other zoos in general. Um, Cause pretty much, you know, whenever I travel, I, I try to hit um, the zoo where I'm at and, uh-huh. uh, you know, try to read up on it before I go. And, and so, and I'm realizing that these stories haven't been told much. They're, You know, there's not a whole lot out there. I mean, some zoos do a really good job with telling their history and others don't post much at all. Mm -hmm. And so I I just feel like these stories need to be told. Yeah, and that's so weird. Zoo history
0: has always fascinated me. When I go to the zoo, I love... Some of the zoos do a good job, like you said, and you'll go and they'll have either like... I don't know, like murals or like pictures of like, you know, this is back in the day. And I I really enjoy that. But a lot of them don't. Um, So I have a I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. so I'm just so when was like what is America's like what was America's first zoo? When did it open?
1: It was. um, Oh, my gosh. Is it the Philadelphia Zoo? Yeah,
0: right. Yep. America's oldest zoo. I knew that. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: And um, I know Cincinnati Zoo is the second, I believe. Uh huh. And then surprisingly, the Maryland Zoo is third. That's really? in Baltimore. Yeah. So that's okay. a smaller zoo, but, you know, super rich history there.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, um, just around which time period? Was it the late 1800s that we started having zoos in North America?
1: Yeah, about that. You know, maybe a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And and the, the National Zoo in D.C. was uh, founded. They opened their doors in like 1891. Mm-hmm. But it was actually the, the, the Act of Congress was signed um, in 1889. Okay. So, you know, late 1800s was, like, a really big time for starting a zoo. Uh San Diego was a little bit later, but um, 1916. And they actually just celebrated their 100th anniversary a couple years ago. Uh And they did a really great job with that. Um, They they put together some great historical literature. They put together a really neat website. And one of the things I love pouring through is they put together, like, the top 100 animals in their history and you can click on the animal and read their story and it's really fun (laughs) that
0: is so cool yeah it's really fun give listeners an idea what were early zoos like
1: oh gosh you know some of the best stories to read are how zoos got founded because it it varies um so like i know (laughs) this is a funny story the toledo zoo in ohio Uh i can't exactly remember the year it was like I think it was late 19... It was it was around the Depression. Uh-huh. And how they got started was <laughs> um, some guy who owned a furniture store had this gigantic woodchuck running around in his furniture store. Oh <laughs> and he's God. like... And I guess it was so big that some people thought it was a bear. <laughs> 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 Which is ridiculous. Yeah, of course. Um, but <laughs> so the city decided to put this massive... Woodchuck on display in a park, and and so that's that's basically how the Toledo go, Zoo got started. Wow! Um, and then they just started getting donations of animals from residents and building up their collection. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! So that's a really funny story. Now the the National Zoo is a really fantastic story because the the person who who actually started the zoo was the chief taxidermist at the Smithsonian, the National Museum.
0: Okay.
1: And so when he went on his collecting trips to the U.S. West, um, he wanted to collect bison. He wanted to put together a, a taxidermy display of bison. Um, and actually when he got out there, he was kind of horrified by the situation and how there were these mass killings and you no know, regulations in place to... Stopped the overhunting, basically, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so he was just he was kind of horrified, and so what he did was he still put together his display of dead bison, (laughs) but he also convinced the Smithsonian to start up a a department of living animals. It was called back in the day. Well, God bless Um, him. And yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and his argument was. you know, we, we want to show these live animals, too, to, so people can appreciate them and, and start, you know, thinking about how we can conserve them and, and make sure they're around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was back in the 1880s. So, I mean, this was one of the first conservation efforts. And he was recognized for that, which, you know, he, he when you think about American conservationists, his name doesn't come up. It was William Hornaday. Um, and so what he did was he brought back some live bison, and, and they were actually displayed on the national mall. Oh wow. Like, behind the Smithsonian castle.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. So,
1: and, and it was, it was kind of a thing like Toledo where people just started donating other animals and they collected other animals from their Western trips, like prairie dogs and, you know, deer and, and things like that and put those on display as well. Well, before they knew it, they had like almost 200 animals on the, National Mall. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, I think we need a zoo. Yeah. And so they started lobbying Congress for the money. And then, you know, eventually um, they got land donated for the purpose of the zoo. In It's actually a beautiful area of D.C. called Rock Creek Park. Um, and, and it's still in that same location today. But um, so that's how the National Zoo got started was, you know, <laughs> bison on the national mall turned into an actual zoo oh my gosh (laughs) yeah
0: and and you're gonna kill me i've never been to the national zoo i've been to dc once and (laughs) and i had a 13 hour layover and it was either go to the zoo or go and see some some historical stuff and i thought oh i should probably do the historical (laughs) stuff i do i do want to definitely check it out Tell me when yeah. did when did they start I mean were they the first zoo to ever get pandas? Because pandas are have always fascinated people and only a few zoos have ever been able to yeah. do it. I think right now we so. currently have four places.
1: Mm-hmm. Um actually I think three now because San Diego just oh, lost their right. pandas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so it's um DC, Atlanta, and Memphis that have pandas in the US and then Calgary in the in Canada.
0: Okay. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah, we're like one of the only places to see pandas, but we weren't the first. Um, our pandas, our panda program started in 1972 with Nixon. Um, the, the Actually, the first panda was at the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago. Really? Back in the 1930s. Oh my, yes. in the 30s? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and not many uh, panda fans know this story, but... I don't. You know, the general public don't... It's not a hugely told tale, and there's a there's a fascinating book about it. It's called The Lady in the Panda, about a woman. She was like a New York socialite who went over to China with the intent of bringing back a panda, <laughs> and she was successful. Um, no one thought she could do it, but she did. She had some help you know, some people who were kind of in the know about the area where the pandas lived. But she brought back one panda. And then I think like a year or two later, she brought back another one. Wait, wait.
0: So it like so yep. so she was a socialite. So I'm imagining yep. like Kim Kardashian in my mind. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of what it was like <laughs> going I mean, to she China, was like a partier, like heavy drinker. You, know? How big? you don't expect someone in like yeah. that, like, you know, roughing it in the mountains of China, you know, yeah, that's not easy terrain. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. Of course. Of course. So,
1: and, um, yeah. And I haven't written a story about this, but I, I, I would really like to, because, um, the, the, the tale is fascinating and, and the book, the lady and the panda, I, I recommend it. Um, well, it's, let, it's about that. Carrie, yeah.
0: Carrie, we have to go back. So does she bring <laughs> it to, I'm just so, okay. I had no idea. So, does, yes. so she, so this was in the 1930s, correct? hmm and then she, yeah, and, and then she brought it to Chicago to Brookfield.
1: She was, she was kind of shopping it to see like, you know, who could give her the best deal for the panda. Okay. Um, and Brook, Brookfield do one out. Um, it, it, it's been a while since I've read that book. So like mm-hmm. the details are a little shady, but, yeah, yeah. um,
0: <laughs> no worries.
1: But, yeah. And, um, I, the, the panda didn't, have any offspring or anything um and i think it only lived a couple of years okay. but but its name was su lin um yeah so wow. that was the first panda in america it was way before 1972
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean i'm assuming yeah. just at that time we probably didn't know a lot about their husbandry i'm assuming that's Absolutely. why it just i mean we knew
1: like nothing about them and you know what to feed them i mean there wasn't a lot of bamboo in Chicago. You
0: can imagine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Another story from the Toledo Zoo. I wrote about this on my blog. Okay. But, um, they, they celebrated their history in a, a really funky way. Um, one of their buildings was the carnivore building and it was built back in the late 1920s. And one of the things they did was in the 1990s, they renovated that building. Um, And I don't know if you read this story, but (laughs) but they renamed it the Carnivore Cafe and they put in a cafeteria in there. And so visitors can go and eat in the the old cages. And so instead of, you know, like tearing the building down and being all embarrassed about how the animals used to live, they're kind of like amplifying that. And, you know, and, and it makes you think, wow, like, look how far we've come since then.
0: Yeah. So Carrie, I'm smiling. I thought that was
1: really fascinating.
0: I'm smiling so big. I've had so many chicken strip baskets inside the, the carnivore cafe. Toledo's one of my favorite have zoos. You? I swear yeah, I swear. No way. I have a lot of great friends in Toledo. And Okay. It is so weird you said that because I remember we, my wife and I, we were eating there last, um, it was a couple of years ago, and I just was telling her about it because I think some zoo visitors might not even, even care. I mean, because you know I mean? they have signs <laughs> around. I mean, if you wanted to read them, you yeah. could, but if not, you could totally, you probably wouldn't even know you were inside of an old carnivore house. But it was amazing, like just looking at the enclosures and yeah. just like they still have the bars and it's like, what? I mean, you yeah. know, they painted it now yeah. and now, but it's like, wow, what yeah. would this place have been like back in the yep, back exactly. in the day?
1: Yeah, and actually my boyfriend grew up around there, and so he has pictures of, you know, what the building looked like, and, you know, had, I think the cages on the outside, they had um, monkeys, mm-hmm. so he, he had some pictures of monkeys on the outside, but, um, but yeah, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> wow. Um, I thought that was a really, I, I've, I've not seen that. I'm sure other zoos have done something like that before, uh-huh. but I thought uh-huh. that was a really unique way to, to renovate one of your, you know, animal buildings and Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah have you have you been to the the lincoln park the lincoln park zoo in chicago
1: i have yeah yeah i just briefly but um yeah on one of my work trips i was able to stop there for yeah. a few hours
0: but <laughs> they still have like the big cat house but they've renovated it mm-hmm. i mean last time i was there where you know that it's, it's you know now the cats have yards attached to it and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it's really interesting
1: yeah so yeah. yeah so even the buildings have stories you know like i love the animal stories but you know there's a lot of stories around the whole sort of zoo (laughs) as a an entity so
0: you know what fascinated me which animal fascinated me that we housed and i don't know if you've i'm sure you know about this but the amazon river dolphin at the pittsburgh zoo oh that's cool that's always fast that the yeah the the river dolphin always fascinated me they had one for years (laughs) always have you heard about that story
1: I have
0: not. Oh, you yeah. have. Oh, that should. And be I have next friends in post. Pittsburgh,
1: so I should know this. <laughs>
0: yes, you should. Yes, and I have friends at the Pittsburgh Zoo too. And yeah, but they they had one for many many years, and you know, successfully. And so that that's always fascinated me. Tell me, so you so you're writing these blogs, and by the way, you do so much research. Tell me about some of your favorite stories.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, well, um, I have to tell one of the stories I wrote was like so incredible, it's almost unbelievable. It's Uh probably my favorite uh, about an animal that I've written. And it was about a a gibbon named Bimbo. And so a family, they were called the Wells family, they went over and did a mission in northern Thailand back Mm -hmm. in the late 1940s. They were there for four years, and while they were over there, they befriended this gibbon that they named Bimbo. And it became their pet. Like, they would take it to the school where uh, Mr. Wells was the headmaster. Mm-hmm. And it would entertain the students. And, you know, it hung out with them at home. It, they ate breakfast together. Um, and it, it was funny. Like, the, the the Gibbons' favorite food was, like, waffles and syrup and <laughs> <laughs> um, pineapple and... Fine English chocolate. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So
0: it had, a, it had some good taste.
1: So, but, you know, over their four years, it was their pet. And then when it was time for them to come back to the United States, they they entrusted a friend to take Bimbo in. And, you know, they said, well, if you can't keep her, please give her to someone who can give her a good home. And so they came back to D.C., they gave it to a friend. Um, yeah, they were located in the D.C. area at the time. And, like, fast forward 18 months later, there, the father is reading the, the Washington Post one Sunday morning, and they come across a story about a recent shipment the zoo has gotten in from Thailand.
0: Uh.
1: And there was a picture of a gibbon. And the, the ch- children see the picture, and they're like, that has to be Bimbo that has to be. <laughs> and and the mother's like, "Oh, you know, honey, there are a lot of gibbons in Thailand." Yeah. Like, a lot of black and white ones. It's it you know, there's a really small chance it's not her. But, you know, the kids convinced them, "We have to check this out. We just have to see." And so they go down to the national zoo, and it was too crowded the first time they went, and so they kind of gave up on trying to interact with the, the gibbon. They contacted the zoo to see if they could get like some one-on-one time with the animal just to see. And, uh, you know, the, the keeper was really skeptical, but let them. And mm-hmm. so they go down there and, and, you know, they, they, as soon as the gibbon sees the kids, it goes crazy. And, uh, it, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they start feeding it, you know, its favorite foods and it's, oh. it's hugging them and crying and, and it, they, they had this, uh, you know, endearment thing where they would, like, rub it underneath its eyebrow or something. Oh, okay. And the keeper said usually Gibbons hate that. But the fact that Bimbo loved it, he's like, that has to be her. <laughs> oh, wow. It, yeah. And so um, so it was her. And, you know, throughout their time in D.C., they they visited Bimbo frequently, but... It was it was an incredible story, yeah. and I came across it when I was I was looking at old Na- National Geographics for stories about the National Zoo, and I found that the 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 wife had penned an, an article for National Geographic in 1953, and they did a National Geographic did a photo shoot of the family with Bimbo at the National Zoo, so wow, <laughs> that's that's my favorite animal story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite person story is the one I just wrote, um, and it's about Belle Benchley. She was the first female zoo director in the world, which is incredible. Wow. It was back in the 1920s. Um, she, she took the job as just a temporary bookkeeper kind of job. Um, mm-hmm. She was looking to support her, her child at home. She was a single mom. Two years later, she was running the place. It, it's incredible, um, they named her a director. She was director from uh, 1927 to
0: 1953 of, of of the San Diego Zoo. Of San Diego Zoo,
1: yeah, San wow. Diego Zoo. Um, and you know, I certainly I don't think she's gotten enough publicity. So I was really I did a lot of research into her before I wrote the story because I wanted to really do right by her because she's fascinating. Um, and I wrote I read two of her books and they're. I highly recommend them if you can find a copy. Um, One's called um, My Friends the Apes. She was really into her primates. Okay. And the gorillas that she brought in um, in 1931. And another one was um, My Life in a Man-Made Jungle was her memoir. Oh. They're they're fascinating, but she was was amazing. Um, She just had, like, that sixth sense with animals that, you know, was really rare and You know, the animals knew her. (laughs) She knew how to care for them, even though she didn't have any zoo experience Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah. That's a big deal back in the 30s. And especially (laughs) up until recently, like zookeeping was like, it it, it was like a man's world. I mean, that like zookeepers were men. Like it was very, you know, and now... It's totally flipped. Like now, you have so many more female zookeepers than male zookeepers. You know, some Absolutely. zoos have uh, all female staff. I mean, so it's just, it's it's just crazy to see how the how the times have changed.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, at the time she was director. I mean, not only was she the first zoo director in the world, but there weren't even any female zookeepers on their staff. I mean, <laughs> she was it, and she she did hire their first female zookeeper during world war ii like during the you know kind of the um there, there weren't many there were men you know off to war so they were looking for people to fill in and mm-hmm. this this one woman who lived in la at the time she was so fascinated by Belle benchley's uh, memoir that mm-hmm. she's like i want to go help out and they hired her and um so that's really cool too
0: how did, and let's just get more depressed, Carrie, uh, how did, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm kidding. But how did zoos do in the great depression? I mean, did many of them close down or give me a little insight yeah. on that?
1: Uh, I, I would need to do more research, but I certainly, they struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's one of the amazing things about Val Benchley is she got that zoo through the depression and world war two. Wow. And world war two was a really tough time for zoos too. Um, you know, the, constant threat of attack and you know uh san diego especially being a coastal town mm-hmm. you know a lot of zoos would like you know even put down animals thinking you know like especially the poisonous ones you know if they escaped
0: mm-hmm.
1: it could cause a problem uh-huh. um, but and especially like zoos in europe uh, you know, talk about the pressing.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what
0: What was that but, movie? Did you see that movie? Was it called? Oh, the, it's Zoo? the zookeeper's
1: daughter.
0: Yes. The zookeeper's daughter. and my I...
1: something like, or the zookeeper's wife, zookeeper's wife.
0: Yes. I couldn't even yes. watch the first 10 minutes. I was like, babe, we have to No, I'm serious. Yes. It was like, yes. they were shooting all the animals. What do they do? Shoot the bald eagle. That's what I mean, they
1: it... did. That's what they did. I know.
0: And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's very hard to watch. I mean, I know it's mm-hmm. like fake now, but I, but that's what happens. That's what's like yep. terrifying of. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, a lot of the, the smaller zoos actually benefited from some of the, you know, the larger zoos that may have been in more of a, a blast zone. Mm-hmm. They would ship their animals up to like, you know, the countryside zoos mm-hmm. so that they were, you know, more, you know, they're potentially safer. There, So a lot of the smaller zoos may have benefited, um, but certainly, you know, financially, the zoos, you know, no one had money to go to the zoo.
0: Yeah. Oh, I have a question for you, Carrie. How much (laughs) was it like back in the day to go to the National Zoo? Was it always free? It was always free. Always free. free. Do you Mm -hmm. know what? I mean, was it like a quarter back in the day to get into other zoos around the country?
1: I know. um, San Diego Zoo... All children were free. Okay. It was ten cents, wow. ten cents to get in. Um, yeah, but but then you know it became a quarter, like, you know. But yeah, always around that price range.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and now it costs you an arm and a leg.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> just kidding. I love you, San Diego, but it no. is the most expensive zoo to get oh, into. Oh, it's
1: really ex- yeah. I just I went a couple weeks or about a month ago now. Uh-huh. I went to the regular zoo twice and the safari park. Once, uh-huh. and so you know, between those three trips, like, <laughs> wow, did, my savings account hurts. I no. <laughs> know.
0: Do they have a buy one get one? But um, did, did they have like a? They hopper did have pass? a deal. Yeah, oh, they did. They have
1: like a a two visit pass kind of thing that you can buy. So.
0: Oh yeah, I'm uh-huh. gonna have to call my that friend. Was- yeah, my friend Matt, he works with the one of my earliest podcast episodes, his name's Matthew Price, and is he hosts the Zookeeper Stories podcast. You should check it out. But he's a polar oh, yeah. he's he's a polar bear keeper there. So I'm like, next time I oh, go, yeah. I'm gonna be like, Matt, get me in,
1: dude. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh Yeah. Goodness. And and some of the the more fascinating books I've read too are stories by former zookeepers. Oh yeah. They they're like a fount of knowledge when it comes to great stories and okay uh, you just did my you know.
0: perfect segue yeah. look who I have <laughs> on my shelf oh yes it's the man <laughs> himself it's Jack he's back so <laughs> let's talk about Jack oh my gosh Jack All right, let's talk about Jack <laughs> Where to start I'm shocked I mean and I just and just reading this book you know to prepare for for the interview you know because I yep I I um, interviewed him I was shocked at some of the stuff that just went on back in the day it's like
1: what yep. you could never oh, get away with crazy.
0: this <laughs> yes I mean crazy <laughs> in like a great way right Carrie we can't oh absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah Well, your interview with him I mean he told a lot of those stories and uh, it, I mean it's just one after the other just like he just has you laughing like oh my god I can't believe he did that or
0: <laughs> his PR team was but... right next to him and like you could tell he would like look over and be like is that okay to say like and oh my god, it was so funny. I like Texas PR people. Like, thank you so much, Rachel. Jack was awesome. Oh, that was,
1: that's great, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've read this book, but this is the one that I've read, The Jungle Jack.
0: Oh, I have not. And it's
1: just it's it's one crazy story after another. I don't know how many stories he replicates from his the one that you have, but the monkeys on the interstate. but the the monkeys on the interstate story is definitely in here, mm-hmm. um, and that's 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 another one I I was thinking about writing about. Um, but I chose the the circus event instead. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, the Tell- one that I
1: sent you. Yep, uh, yep. And I was I was really hoping he'd talk about it on your podcast, but I knew he wouldn't. I, there's just no way he would go there. I, now, I don't think. But
0: it, now, just just refresh listeners on that because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know about the circus event.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you'll have to look up my post. It's called a uh, Jack Hanna's circus stunt, but it, it's about um. He was always trying to generate ways to get visitors into the zoo. I mean, the back when he first started at the Columbus Zoo, it was really struggling. Like a lot of residents didn't even know Columbus had a zoo, mm-hmm. and and it was run by the sewer department, which it, it, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> yep, they wore the same shirts. Yep. That's like one of the first yes. things he did. I remember that. Yep. Yeah,
1: but um, so he was always looking to generate revenue, generate. Interest, visitors, uh, enthusiasm. And back in 1982, he was reading that. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of the Flying Walendas, they were like a, a big tightrope walking act okay. back in the day. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh.
1: Well, they had a one of, I, I think their founding member of the Walendas had a tragic accident back in the late 70s. Uh-huh. And so Jack Hanna had had learned, like, you know, by 1982, that they were looking to kind of resurrect their act. And so hannah got in touch with Rick Llewellyn,da L- L- one of the Typer Walkers, and asked him if he'd be interested in holding an event at the zoo. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with
0: this? Of course, there's a picture of it in this book. <laughs> Yes, it's a PR um, nightmare. I'm shocked this stuff is still yeah. out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he wanted initially to hold the event over the gorilla yard, mm-hmm. and the gorilla keepers were like, "Oh heck, no! You're not going near my animals," you know. <laughs> um, so they decided on the tiger enclosure, and Walenda ended up tightroping, you know, 80 feet, 40 feet high over the tiger. Enclosure, they gave the tiger a bone so it wouldn't, you know, had something to focus on. But I mean, fifteen thousand people showed up. Wow! It's crazy. I mean, and he was so excited that he got that many people to come to the zoo. Um, And and of course, nothing happened. No animals or people were were hurt or anything. Um, But the AZA was not very happy with it. No.
0: No, no, no. After
1: the event, yeah, they're like, you know, this this violates our ethics code. Mm-hmm. You know, you put your the animals in danger. You know, don't do that again. And, mm-hmm. you know, he still says, you know, I, I love that I got that many people to go, come to the zoo, but I would never do anything like that again.
0: Wow. Uh, he, yeah. he did a lot of great PR stuff for that <laughs> zoo. I mean, that wasn't one of them. It got a lot of people excited, but yeah. he did a bunch of stuff. I mean, he really Absolutely. was a pioneer like that, you know?
1: Absolutely, and you know, like he said on your podcast, he he got the PR he really wanted when um, the the twin gorillas were born mm-hmm. in 1983, and they were the first twin gorillas born in in North America. Um, and so that generated a lot of buzz. He got that was his first appearance on Good Morning America was with the gorillas, um, which came to the zoo to hold the the episode, but. Um, but yeah. And, and one of the twins is actually, he didn't mention this, but one of the twins is actually still at the Columbus zoo and has his, still alive. Oh yeah. Well, this was back in 1983. I guess guess you're right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. I'm thinking
1: back. back. Yeah. is still there and he, yeah, he's awesome. So if you ever take him up on the tour of the zoo, which I hope you do, Oh,
0: I'm going to (laughs) go see Mac
1: and his, his troop is awesome. But, uh, and the other twin, Masuba, is at the North Carolina Zoo. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is just so much history. It's yeah, just...
1: it, it, it's I love these stories. Yeah,
0: so. and there's not a lot of people doing what you do, no. so I'm happy you are. Have you been contacted by any zoos? Like, thank you so much, Carrie, for doing this. Yeah. Or like, Carrie, don't do this. Why are you bringing up our dirty laundry?
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Well, not directly. Um I I would like to think I had a hand in this, but I probably didn't. But one of the things that the National Zoo did just recently was open an exhibit on Smokey the Bear. Uh-huh. Um,
0: so
1: the, the original live Smokey lived at the National Zoo. Really? Back in the 1950s. Um, yeah. And so they just put together an exhibit of the history of Smokey at the zoo and, you know, how he was instrumental in the whole, you know, preventing fires campaign. He, and,
0: Smokey was a real bear?
1: Yeah. I thought yeah. he was
0: always this cartoon caricature <laughs> type of a character guy. Well,
1: he started out that way. But then, um, so in 1950, there was a really bad wildfire in uh-huh. New Mexico. And the Forest Service found this injured cub that... It's mom had passed. She didn't make it, but you know, they saved this little cub and um I'm trying to remember what they named it initially. Um Hotfoot Teddy. Okay. Or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Um they they fixed him up, they healed his burns, and the Forest Service was looking for a place for him to live, um, because he couldn't go back in the wild without a mom. So the the national zoo and he is where he ended up on the stipulation that they would use him as a a PR campaign for, you know, prevention of wildfires. And so, you know, his enclosure was a big sort of, you know, campaign, uh, uh, awareness campaign, but, but yeah, Smokey was an actual bear. (laughs) Oh
0: my God. Well, that's crazy. Didn't even know that learning something new. every day.
1: So I, you know, they didn't reach out to me about my smoky story, but I'd like to think that my story brought awareness to the zoo administration and they decided to put this nice little memorial together.
0: (laughs) yeah, that is so amazing. I love your work and you are just, you know, you're doing so much. Do you have advice for zoos who want to celebrate their history? What can they do?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I just want zoos to tell their stories. Um, A lot of zoo, I mean, they may have a little blurb on their website, with a, you know, a tiny bit of history about how they got started. But, you know, tell your stories. There's so much, you know, that got you to where you are. And, you know, I'd love to think that, you know, that they could put together an archive of their materials. Not not many of these have one, especially not one that is digitized and available for everyone to see. Um, Another great thing to do would be to solicit photos from the public because oh. I mean, there has to be some fantastic photos out there, Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, put together, you know, a, a historical collage on the website. And, you know, I, I think that would be, I, I would love to help Zeus do that too. Wow. Oh. <laughs> well,
0: put your vibes out there. Yeah. You know, I'm serious.
1: So yeah, Carrie... but, but if, yeah, if there are zoo people out there or even, you know, fans of zoos out there who who want to reach out and and tell me their stories or give me story ideas i'm you know please feel free to contact me through my blog Um, absolutely which is zoohistories.com
0: perfect zoo walks through history is the name of the blog zoohistories.com i have a question just off the rails here was there one story (laughs) that just like you were like like blew your mind like this happened like
1: (laughs) well other than the jack Hanna circus event (laughs)
0: I know your interest is in the past, but let's talk about the future. Where do you, <laughs> where do you see, I don't talk
1: about the future. I know, right? Don't do
0: it. Where do you see, yeah. where do you see zoos going in the future?
1: Oh, I should have known you were going to ask me that. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, I, I see a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. Not necessarily the, you know, come in and see our animals kind of thing but you know we see more and more of this going on all the time as conservation projects that you know are you know <laughs> hidden from the public which you know I, I think more of that will be publicized and you know as, especially as we learn that animals are so in trouble. I mean it, it's just it, it's amazing to me to think that like orangutans may not be around in 10 years. I mean it, it's sick. So I think, you know, it's so hard to rewild an animal, I would think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, would there be more rewilding of animals to help save them? Yeah, reintroduction. I
0: I think it's so tricky. And with the orangutans, just in in general, their habitat, they pretty much don't have any. It's like shrinking and then you have the issue with the palm oil. And it's just like zoos might be the last place, which is so sad to think.
1: Exactly, and you know they only have so much space too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, but definitely conservation efforts—you know, beefing those up, and um, you know, finding creative ways to get the public involved in that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know,
1: absolutely. A lot of zoos are doing a good job, um, but
0: yeah, millions. <laughs> so over... I, I see a lot of that. Yeah, over a quarter of a billion dollars in conservation from just AZA facilities. So they're that's, doing that's a great. lot of stuff. So they're doing Absolutely. a lot of stuff. Well, Carrie, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, this was really fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I love talking about these stories, and I encourage everyone to go check up check out my stories. And you know, I I welcome any feedback, um, story suggestions. Yeah